0: Hey y'all, this is Ledge. And before we get to this episode, I want to tell you a quick story. I remember when we were contacted by one of the top video fitness apps in the United States and they were doing a total rebuild and they wanted to do that with our engineers. So we set that up and we've been at it for two years with 10 different team members in every possible skill set from design to product management to scrum master to development. And it's been a really exciting journey where we are completely in charge of staffing that entire team for them that's not a common scenario but it just gives you an idea of the reach that we can bring to the table you know time and time again for mobile apps and for web apps and for design and i think that's really one of the strengths of the huge bench of talent that we bring to the table now for our episode
1: This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod.
0: Mitch, it's great to have you on, man. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited.
0: So, Mitch, you're the the co-founder of Guru, which immediately makes you sound, you know, super, super intelligent. So I'm looking forward to finding out what Guru can, can do for everybody. Uh, I know you have, you know, sort of a, a technical background and, and you know, some sort of history to talk about in engineering, which is is really pertinent for our audience. So thanks for joining us. But yeah, yeah jump in, uh, tell the story a little bit and uh, where you came from, you know, what you're doing and what we can expect to learn about Guru.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, I, I am not all that intelligent. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) the name, the name, uh, 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 precedes me, but, um, but yeah, so, so Guru was kind of founded out of a a pain that my co-founder and I had back at our previous company. Um, we had a startup called Boomi, um, back in the day and it was sold to Dell. And we, um, we just kind of experienced this pain within, within Dell where, where we were growing pretty rapidly, but we just could not find a system that everyone could use that really helped them do their jobs with with finding knowledge right like the support team used one system the engineers used confluence the sales team used you know they, they were literally saving emails to their hard drives <laughs> the like, sales team was <laughs> supposed
0: to use a crm but didn't
1: <laughs> right right, right. <laughs> And, and and what was happening was all of the subject matter experts within within the team were getting shoulder tapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so me and my co-founder, Rick Nucci, um, we were just getting hit so often with so many questions. And it was the same questions over and over again. Um, and when we started Guru in 2013, we just had this question, like, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way for people to utilize the knowledge that is innate within a company? Um, and how do we get that into people's hands so that they actually use it? And out of all of the interviews that we did with potential customers, and luckily we had a nice network mm-hmm. of people we could we could go to, we just found a, a common theme among all of the different uh, answers that we got. And that was one... People just did not want to go to another website to search and find information. Like, like for whatever reason, that was a big blocker of adoption. Two, finding that information and then wondering if it was even accurate was, was just another big theme. They never trusted anything that was in there. And those two things really drove a lot of the development in the early days of Guru, where we eventually built out one, a Chrome extension, which lives where you work, right? So you can activate Guru and use knowledge wherever you are in your working day, whether it's in Salesforce, whether it's in Zendesk, whether it's in Gmail. Um, and then two, we have a big concept of trust within Guru, where every piece of information that's in there is is trusted by a subject matter expert and, and and as you use information, you actually see that trust. You see that big green check mark that that your manager has verified this policy. You know, last week, or you see a big red exclamation point that this right. thing's expired. It's been expired That's for a That's how month. we used to do it, but we don't do it that way anymore. To go in yeah. and, and check that. Um, and. <laughs> right right um and so and so we built a lot of guru on 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 these two core tenets right um and and, and it's proven to be successful because because what we see across our customer base is is over 90 percent adoption within teams you know people are using it um Pretty actively, and and the whole team is using it. So so if you have a thousand person support team, they are going to Guru as their habit. Um, it actually turns into a verb in a lot of a lot of places. Hey, did you Guru that? Did you Guru that? Um, and it's always fun to see that happen uh, within an organization where where Guru just becomes your trusted source of knowledge. Yeah, I mean,
0: this, I mean, I relate. Like I've, I've come from uh, uh, operational and sort of wore the knowledge management hat at a bunch of orgs and, you know, done the thousand user, you know, sort of wiki dance. And, you know, it was, just, was all we had at the time. Right. And like, we always, I think always envisioned that, you know, oh, we can see the ultimately technology will allow us to do stuff like this. So it's like a really opportune time where AI machine learning, what have you can, can kind of catch up and solve that, nasty problem we all knew was there. I mean, I remember, you know, back starting at PricewaterhouseCoopers, you know, when like Lotus Notes was the thing. And you're just like, wow, like the collective knowledge of like 20,000, 50,000 people, whatever it was, but they're all in these like ridiculous databases all over the world. I mean, there's no way that you could search it, but you were never going to find anything. And you had to recreate over and over again. And that virtual or, or real-time tap on the shoulder. I mean, it's just a huge problem and it's exponential and it grows. Like it's almost like you should start these good hygiene and knowledge practices, you know, when you're a pretty small company and yet it seems like one of those expenses and lifts that, you know, kind of won't pay off for a while that, you know, it isn't scalable. So it's interesting to hear you, you know, have solved this problem. Like what are, what are the people and engineering challenges you know, that you both expected and didn't expect in that world.
1: Yeah. Um, you mean from a product perspective or from from a, a, a customer perspective?
0: Well, certainly product, you know, obviously, you know, on the engineering side. And then I imagine there's a whole bunch of learning around change management and people behavior stuff that you had to deal with uh, on the rollout side. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, on the on the product side, um, what's been a really interesting and, and actually challenging for us is we believe that it's a paradigm shift in the way people treat knowledge, um, and and trying to build a, a, an intuitive system that brings knowledge to you without you know overpowering you with notifications. Or taking over your screen, or just in general being annoying—that's um, been a challenge, right? And 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 I think what what makes us unique is that is that we focused a lot of energy very early on the read-only persona of the knowledge, right? If you think about Confluence and SharePoint and Google Docs and and the existing systems out there. They very much focused on the author mechanism, right? Where okay. where you can organize your knowledge, you can, you know, create very structured folders and beautiful looking articles um, that are ten pages long and have wonderful graphs and tables and stuff. But if you're a support agent and you need an answer right now. Right. You have to go through all of that, right? And and you have to go through that ten-page article and 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 find the one paragraph that answers your question. Um, that really right. So that. it was the
0: discreteness of each little tiny knowledge entity that yeah. that really matters there. Yeah,
1: yeah. and so we base a lot of our designs and a lot of our architecture around around the card. Um, mm. And a card represents. That basic unit of knowledge, which would either you know answer a question or or solve a particular problem, Mm -hmm. and then you uh, can put those cards together in 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 a board which represents you know either a workflow that you want Mm -hmm. to exercise or or a series of steps or um, you know just a a a common collection of 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 cards, but. because of that small unit uh, of knowledge, that unit can actually be used discreetly to, to solve a support ticket or to help answer a, um, a sales objection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, because of that, we can actually record that interaction and say that this agent used this card on this ticket and provide analytics back to the support agents and the support managers as to what knowledge is actually being used to help, to help solve problems within your business. And that's where, um, a lot of the value of, 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 Guru comes out is, is, is the fact that there is a very granular view into the knowledge that is useful for a company. Sure.
0: Sure. And those people who are empowered to be a subject matter expert or author the knowledge, then do they uh, how do you control who can change what one of the hardest things in in knowledge management was, you know, do we just open this thing up to everyone? And, you know, sort of, it, you talk about the trust of the, the information, uh, but the trust of your personnel to manipulate very, very important things is a whole other, you know, kind of organizational and, and leadership issue. How do you handle that?
1: Yeah. Um, great question. And really a lot of that is based on, on company culture and the way, the way that people want to distribute knowledge. And, and, and I can give two very specific examples, which are completely opposite. Um, one of our customers, Shopify, they have 2,000 support agents. They're all remote, right? So they're all working from home, answering tickets. Um, they all have author access, and and actually, there's a there's a a, a new um, process that is being uh, discussed, uh, you know, amongst industry leaders called uh, uh, knowledge centered support, um, and it's all about giving power to the support agent to, to to author content that they're using in order to solve tickets. And then there's a whole process in which that. Content gets gets vetted and then and then ultimately into the knowledge base, um, and so Shopify um, believes in this, and they've given authorship access to everyone. And then another customer of ours, Spotify, um, they have again fifteen hundred agents. They are uh, worldwide. Um, and, but they have a small team of, of knowledge managers. Um, mm. and what those knowledge managers are responsible for, they have authorship. Um, and, and they ensure that the content that is being used by their agents is accurate and up to date. Um, and it's just a different model and, and, yeah. and it's really dependent on, on what works for your business. Um, and, and just what works organizationally?
0: Sure. And there's a pros and cons sort of uh, accordion effect of centralized, decentralized, centralized, decentralized. I and mean, I think every org at each stage of its genesis to growth and maturity is going to ex- expand and contract there because they're you know there's simply unavoidable contentions. Um, and speaking of contentions, it makes me makes me think: what if two or more well-intentioned uh, knowledge managers or, or participants, you know, users uh, really, you know, sort of believe that their way, method, answer, et cetera, on the card is the right way, but there, uh, there are obvious contentions between uh, two of them, you know, or two or more of them. Can the, the system or do you think about how to sniff that out and say, hey, you all have explained this four different ways, all of which are actually a path to the answer or not, uh, you know how do you how do you deal with the the contention factor
1: yeah um well well one way that we that we kind of help solve that is is you know sometimes with the authorship um decentralized model, you have a lot of cards being created that might actually be duplicates of each other or a variation of one another um within the system itself, we actually have duplicate detection. Mm-hmm that that will go through and and report on those cards so that then you can decide, okay, what is the right answer here? Is it a combination of all these or are there things that are just flat out uh, duplicated? Um, and, and in other scenarios, you know, it's, uh, you know, no, no system can, can, can perfectly remove, you know, some good old fashioned communication. Um, <laughs> <Right>. And uh, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> Uh, you know, like, you know, in those in those scenarios, we're sitting there, you know, making sure that we're keeping a version of everything that is written inside Guru, so that then you can go back uh, in history and see what what is changing. And if you happen to see a flip flop of of a process between two different people, you know, maybe maybe they, they need to hash it out. Right, uh, right. have, uh, do do like future. the
0: perfect flip flop
1: yeah <laughs> you exactly. you are
0: identifying or probably can you know eventually identify you know all the most interesting things that are not drawn on the you know sticks and boxes of the org chart so you're gonna actually know who is in charge and you know uh, I think of you know for like medical clients for example well the first people that they'll tell you is like the nurses are really in charge you know they know what's really going on but you know the, the doctors think they're in charge and the administrators think they're in charge and so you <laughs> you may have some interesting opportunities to make you know sort of heat maps of influence and power uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we do we do we do that already actually we actually yeah, okay. have, have an expert identification system which uses that information to to determine who, who would be an expert on a given topic, right? And people are going to um, put that
0: out and bring it to their performance review and say, "Check this out, hey."
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you know they can uh, bring that bring that into their manager and uh, you know be like, "Hey, look at all the stuff that I've written that's been used thousands and thousands of times by yeah. by, by the collective company." Um, and it's actually and that, that could be very
0: empowering for for people that might be you know sort of if you are a support agent, you might feel in the wrong culture down, you know, sort of at the bottom, I don't matter. Uh, I'm lower paid, you know, what have you, like, I don't see how my contribution, you know, sort of participates to the whole. And this, this is a really interesting way to uh, attribute and and empower people to, to get more involved and, and kind of drive the ship forward.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and what's, and what's great is that it, is that it works at both levels. You know, you, you have the support agent, whose job is to, you know, solve problems for customers, right? Um, And when you give them a tool that allows them to utilize knowledge that they may not even know, um, that then solves that customer's problem or ticket, and then that customer comes back and is extremely happy with the way that interaction went, you've empowered that support agent to really focus on what makes that customer very happy. And you give them the knowledge with the tool that's been verified by their experts, um, a, a way for them to just use that and trust it and not have to go and stress out about searching and finding information that they need. And so we always talk about creating the best customer experiences for our customer's customer um, because support agents can now free their headspace and instead focus on what is important with the interaction and just use the knowledge that is being verified. And then flip side, the support managers get to see all of the knowledge that their support agents are using, and they can actually help coach those support agents into using the right knowledge Because because they can see their high performing support agents using a lot more of the system um, and they can coach the other performing agents as to what they should be using, how they should be searching so that then then everyone um, gains the benefit of this collective intelligence that is being recorded by Guru.
0: Very interesting. Let me pivot for a moment to... You know, I, these are all, uh, these are all amazing, amazing things. And yet you're talking to a bunch of engineers. So we all know that there are roadblocks, speed bumps, and otherwise brick walls that you have hit and continue to hit and will hit, you know, so what, what kind of keeps you up at night or, or things that you, you wish you knew then that you know now? Cause I think those are, those are great parts of the product story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 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 actually, um, when we try to sell to engineers, um, we get some very interesting feedback, uh, and and um, you know, engineers are engineers are an interesting uh, cog in the full like knowledge system, mm-hmm. right? Because they tend to have a ton of information, and that information needs to be. You know, f- filtered out and delivered to a customer um, in a fashion that makes it was sense translated. To customer, right? You know, they're literally so, speaking a different yeah, language. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, because you, you don't want to talk to customers about database flags or you know the way your build system works or you know anything like that. Um, but at the same time, every engineer um, loves to author their content and it loves to organize it the way that they want to organize it. Um, and a knowledge system like ours is opinionated, right? Because we, because we're thinking about the way knowledge gets distributed out to uh, support agents. Um, and, and those, those two, uh, those two ideas just oh, conflict with sure, sure. each other. Right. I mean, you've invented uh, a taxonomy. You know, because- so right
0: away, like you're trying to standardize thought processes and engineers don't like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My standard is always and, better and, than your standard.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, and it's funny. Very early on in Guru, um, you know, we, like like we use mm-hmm. Markdown, and Markdown was, oh, like, yeah. it was, it was, it was a hot topic. Oh yeah, it's still, it's still the hot topic. You know, and we had Daring Fireball. You know, he's actually a Philly guy, um, and and all that stuff. You know, and, and we're like, okay, we're gonna do Markdown. This is awesome. Um, and it was awesome. I loved it. I was like, okay, cool. I was just like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And, and, uh, right. You don't got a lot of sales and customer
0: like, support people that are down with the markdown. Do you? Yeah.
1: No, no. <laughs> and, uh, man, when we, when, when we started to focus on sales and support, they're like, what, what is this? What are you doing? What do you, that, I don't understand this coding language that you've put in there. And I'm like, but it's but, beautiful. Right. I'm using it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I can make something bold really quickly. Um, and uh and so we had to switch. And we had to switch and uh we paid the price a little bit when it came to engineers because engineers were like, no, I want Markdown. I want Markdown to be the default editor inside inside yeah. And you know Well it's literally why like Confluence keeps, you know, went through
0: the same thing. Confluence did Confluence exactly. did exactly so, that.
1: Yeah. Right, right. They went from mm-hmm. wiki markup to WYSIWYG and they're still fighting that battle i see it on twitter all the time Um, and uh, we'll be there too yeah engineers will be you know they'll be lamenting our WYSIWYG editor and uh, even though we have a a, you know like a way to get markdown in there it's not necessarily the the most intuitive way but still (laughs) it's uh that's actually one of the things i think about i'm like wait a minute do we like move ourselves away from the engineering market by doing this and We may, we may turn ourselves back. Um, but, but yeah. Um, but then like just engineering wise in general, um, you know, it's, uh, in this day and age, building out applications, um, you just have so many different choices, so many different frameworks, uh, to choose from so many different, um, you know, cloud services you could pick from. Um, and, and when we started Guru, it was it was actually when React came out, right? Um, and we built Guru on version 0.8 of of React, uh, and that was like you know we we struggled yeah. through it, right? But and then and then and then following the you know the the path of uh, building out. Um, a full application in today's world you have to navigate the sea of, of change mm-hmm. um, and and after react came out you know we had flux come out to you know to do the data stuff and then we had redux come out to you know to which which basically replaced flux and then and then and then now we're on to hooks mm-hmm. and, and and other things GraphQL. And it's, yeah. Um, yeah yeah exactly is coming up and my and my backend engineers are like, fighting it um and you know they're like well i don't i I mean
0: you made a lucky choice at the beginning of react because there was a lot of people that ran hard down you know the ember road or angular or what have you and and are really just sort of like you know i chose the wrong horse and and you just you didn't have the intel at that point things moved so quickly i mean you happened to choose the winning horse by Luck, grace, or, or brilliance. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: it it was a bit of due diligence, but also a bit of luck too. Uh, it, the uh, I actually wrote a first version in in Ember, Angular, um, React, Batman. That's a, that's a crazy one. Uh, Dust. Um, you know uh-huh. all these different um uh, big companies and actually like like um if you're if you're in a startup world you're not like truly a big company until you build your own UI framework so like Facebook has react and LinkedIn <laughs> had dust and shopify had Batman like you know it's like it's like you're not cool until until you have enough engineering resources where you can just kind of spin right. off like, "Hey, go build a cool UI framework that we can use." Uh, but but yeah, like uh, we actually actually went through that and and I was like, you know, what makes the most sense here? And really, the React thing kind of melded with my mind mindset. I was like, okay, I'm actually a Java guy. I started I started in Java, mm-hmm. um, and it just made sense to me just the way that they were architecting. Um, the the UI por- portion right and there was no there was no data there was no controller you know wh- however they wanted to call it you know it was the it was the V of the MVC program um, and so and so it just it just spoke to me and yeah luckily it was it was the right horse <laughs>
0: right right all right so last last question uh, I don't know if you're a fan of The Office but you know I am and there's this there's this episode where Jim is messing with Dwight and he sends um, Dwight faxes from future Dwight. And he says, (laughs) you know, the the coffee is poison today or, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And it, it got me thinking, you know, I I like to ask the guests if I gave you a piece of paper and like a big thick black Sharpie and, and your future Mitch, and you get to, you get to send a message back to yourself five years, 10 years Mm -hmm. ago, choose your, choose your time period. What are you going to scrawl on that paper?
1: That's a great one. Um, I would go tell young Guru Mitch to invest in a component library very early in, in the life cycle of, of, of application development. Um, we, are, we are now encountering, you know, we're bigger now, we have 25 engineers and we desperately need a component library to help us just move much faster than we are right now.
0: Very engineering answer. The crowd's going to love that. (laughs) There's no life lessons there. You know, don't sweat the small stuff. None of this like invest in a component library. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Well, Mitch, uh, this is, Awesome story. I mean, love it. Um, You guys are doing great stuff. I can't wait to see the development of it. We'll maybe we'll do a follow up in uh, in some months and talk more about it. Thanks for joining Uh, us. Yeah,
1: thank you. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us. Head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.
0: Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.